Welcome to the official podcast of the Entrepreneur Summit. These are events that teach you strategies from the experts, lessons learned from the trenches, and connections to take your business to the next level. All right, welcome to another episode of season two of the Entrepreneur Summit podcast. It is so great to have you here because it means our next event is right around the corner, March 30th in Frisco, Texas, which is right outside of Dallas. And we've got speakers like Robert Hershevek, Amy Blankson of Good Think, Will Bunker of Match.com, and we're covering an entire day of growth. So hopefully we will see you at the event, EntrepreneurSummitDallas.com. If you can't come, we have a whole live streaming ticket available to you, and uh, you can find more at EntrepreneurSummitDallas.com. So before we get into today's episode, we first have to thank sponsors because without sponsors, I'm telling you, I could not do this myself. Uh, they are the, the the soul to this Entrepreneur Summit. And so first and foremost, Transamerica is on board this year. They help entrepreneurs and business owners live well today and worry about less tomorrow by helping them save, invest, and protect what they've worked so hard to earn. They're committed to helping people understand how their wealth and health are linked and how taking small steps today can pay off big tomorrow. Our second sponsor is once again, the Frisco Economic Development Center. Again, Frisco is a suburb just north of Dallas, Texas. And if you haven't heard of Frisco, you kind of need to. It's one of the fastest growing cities in the nation. We have what's called the $5 billion mile, which is literally just a mile of land that has over $5 billion worth of development happening. This is an incredible place to start a company, move your company, build a company. We've got huge corporations coming here all the time and very excited to have the Frisco EDC on board again. Spaces is also a sponsor of ours, which you can find them at spacesworks.com. They're owned by Regis and it's a really creative working environment with a really unique entrepreneurial spirit. I've been to the one in Dallas. It is gorgeous. And I know they are all over the nation. So if you're looking for a place you want to get out of the home office, move your team. I know there's even corporations working out of some of their spots all over the U.S. Check out spacesworks.com. And our last sponsor is Launchpad City. Launchpad City is a really unique co-working space. They're located up in Frisco, Texas. They've just moved into a new building up in North Frisco. So definitely check them out at launchpadcity.com. So let's get into today's episode. At the Entrepreneur Summit, we focus on growth. How do you take your current business to the next level? One of the only ways, and still one of the most tried and true ways to do that, is to build a team and use your team to scale. Now, you've got to build the cohesive team in order to be able to do that because you can't just have people working for you. So Scott Levy is here and he's going to be speaking at the event about building cohesive teams and how you do that. He is the founder of Result Maps, which is basically like a task management system, but on steroids. It's not just about tasks. It's about aligning to a bigger picture for yourself and for your team. And this is a really important concept to understand in order to build not just, again, people working for you, but to build people the right way. So we get into all of it from how to hire. Do you go personality first or role? And what do you do with, you know, bad apples and all of that in building the right team. So without further ado, here is my interview with Scott Levy. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Summit podcast. This episode we're talking teams and I've got Scott Levy here of Result Maps. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so happy you're here and I'm so happy to talk about this because 
you know, if you're not building the right teams, you can't build a business. You've got to scale and, you know, building the people behind you is the only way to do it. So thank you for coming on and talking about this. And we're going to be talking about it in more detail at the summit. And the first question I'm going to jump into when you're hiring a team, are there core rules that you use that you make sure you follow so you know you're on the right path to the to a cohesive team? Um, I'd say yes. There are usually core values and core just some basic things that are always there. The actual makeup of the team can vary based on the vision you're trying to realize, but in general, I always try to hire slowly and fire quickly. And then the other thing I found super useful is finding ways to engage with people in a work situation. So if your team or the situation you're in accommodates it, giving people some type of test project and really framing it as, hey, this is a test for both of us. Because if it doesn't work for both parties and for all people on the team, it's not going to work long term typically. That's not always an option, but whenever it is, um, I've found that to be really useful because you learn a lot more about people, I find, once we're away from the interviews and once we're away from thinking about who we want and kind of dealing with what type of team can we really put together quickly. So I like the concept of testing, and I'm going to go off just a little bit here. Do you... So when they first come on board, I know you've got some time before, you know, you can make the cut. Do you have them do the test project then or do you do any sort of test type of things during the interview process? Yeah, I think there's always some some things in the interview process because you want to filter out as quickly as you can for just things that are deal breakers. Um, You know, if somebody's got a negative mindset or a fixed mindset that can come out really early when you first talk to them, how they communicate communications like the probably the most undervalued aspect of teamwork I find. And even though people say, no, we always talk about communication, being able to communicate in an efficient, concise result focused way is unusual on a lot of the teams I've seen or consulted to. And a lot of times that's one of the big, uh, barriers, um, just because people have different language they use and everything else. So how they communicate and, and the language they use gives a lot of insight a lot of times into how people are going to fit together. So there's certain things I'm definitely filtering for right away, just because we want to be as efficient as we can with our time. But I, I like to talk about the challenges that somebody's faced and get a sense of them. At the same time, you learn a lot once you're working with somebody. And some people aren't great at discussing everything that's important to them or their long-term vision and things like that. But they may be outstanding teammates who are just, you know, where there may be uh, different aspects of chemistry that really give them wings. So that working together is uh, is really key to help understand, you know, how are we going to how is the team going to work when this person's in the mix? Yeah, it's so true. I think I love the testing out process. I love that whole perspective. I know it's become more and more common and I think it's crucial. So when you're moving into your hire, when you're hiring, obviously needs are important. You have to fill needs in your business, but 
do you typically hire for certain roles or do you go for certain personalities first that obviously have some sort of skill set, but is it more role-based or personality-based for you? I think it starts off, I'd say skill-based more than role-based because I think the roles that people fall back on aren't always super useful. Um, We can be really... Uh, I've just found a lot of people will kind of sit on that role like, oh, well, my role is this. I shouldn't be doing this other thing that we need to figure out how to get done. Um, so I like to look at skill sets. I'm usually thinking about a particular set of skills that we need. And then um, that becomes the entryway into finding the right person because otherwise the field of possible people is just so big. There are occasions where you just meet somebody and you get a sense that there's something there and you explore it, but it's hard to, it's hard to create that on demand. Okay. And I know, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording and I want to go there. You, you've got the personality of the, you know, it, it's a hot thing right now. And I talked to so many large corporations where they're like, we have, we call it intrapreneurs, right? The people who are going to think outside the box, the people that are going to bring ideas to the table, the things that are going to really push that, push p- ideas like that. And then let's be honest, we all have those people who they like to be told what to do. They like to get their work done. That's how they like to roll. So um, how do you, do you, create a team where you've got 50 50 do you like to go more personality based like entrepreneur based versus worker bees how do you make that determination as you're filling those slots again it it very much depends on the team and the situation but as i build i want to find people that can balance the creativity and structure because i think that's where the magic happens and i think people lose sight of the fact that great ideas are not being able to come up with outlandish stuff in a brainstorm. A lot of times out of the box, what what gets called out of the box thinking is solving a problem by combining two pre-existing elements in a different way or more. Um, with, you know, Slack being one of the great examples I hear brought up a lot lately. Um, but when I personally bring people in, I've, I've spent a lot of time being the rebellious creative guy and figuring out how to make use of that. And so I, I like to give people the ability to succeed by making sure they understand here's what we're going for. Here's the outcome. Because if they know the outcome, they may know a better way to get there for them individually or for us as a team than I can think of. But I can't tap into that unless I give them a really clear sense of what our outcomes are, what our vision is. At the same time, what I've found with really creative people who have really high energy, creative, really high creative energy, when those ideas are coming and, and we get inspired by those ideas, if there's not a clear sense of structure, you can spin off in a different direction. So what I like to do is really keep our business objectives in mind. How are we going to measure those? And now start them off in those early test projects. Usually the reins are a little tighter. Or give people the guardrails and kind of go, look, right now you're going to have tight guardrails. But as we build our rapport 
those are going to widen. But part of the process of starting tight is enabling them to be successful as well because someone leading a team or other people on the team, we're not always going to communicate perfectly either. So a lot of the process of getting someone on the team isn't defining how they will fit, but figuring out what the relationship is you need to develop and how you need to communicate to them to help them be successful and how they can help you be successful. So I like to start with kind of um, tight reins is the wrong metaphor, but, but close guardrails, I'd say, so that it's easy for them to deliver the value that I think is valuable and gain a sense of how I work and what I look for, or if it's a you know someone else's team, what things are important to the team. The process of going through widening those guardrails and providing more and more freedom is really instructive and builds a lot of rapport, builds a lot of trust. So you're trying to create a, a high trust environment where everybody's got a shared vision. It's really hard to do that by just going, hey, here's an idea guy, let's throw him in the mix and he'll have crazy outlandish ideas and everything will go great or she'll have crazy outlandish ideas and everything will go great. That is not usually how it works. Um, I think it's, I love ideas and I love innovation. What I find is innovation isn't just thinking outside of the box. It's figuring out what problems we need to solve and being able to step back and look at the bigger picture. That's where creativity I think really comes in. Step back, look at the bigger picture, and be intentional about the tools we're going to use to solve a problem. And that really, like I say, in terms of a team, that's very much a dialogue. That's very much an evolving conversation. So that's that's my big thing. I like feedback points. I like testing things out. I like dialogue. But those things, more than just my likes, that's what you see on teams again and again and again. There's great feedback loops, there's efficient communication, there's a great sense of shared vision, there's a willingness to be creative, getting that vision. That's where I think the magic happens. And I'm not sure I answered your question well, but you hit on something I'm really passionate about. No, you you did answer it. And I want to dig a little deeper because you've talked a lot about knowing the objections, the bigger picture, you understanding that as a team and I think we all have a mission in our business and we want them aligned with that and like you said that's where creativity comes when they really understand that you loop back you communicate you've mentioned that so how often are you doing this what how how does that look like as you're building teams like hey guys remember this is it or how are you looping that back into it so it's always something in the back of their brain but it's not something you're like bringing up annoyingly in every conversation I think um, I don't always think about the annoyingly part, but what I, I've noticed just on the teams I've been on, you know, dating back to, you know, youth sports and going through any number of corporations and startups. And then you, you read this about a lot of the great leaders out there. It's important to be really consistent and be the champion of that vision and not just. I think the lack of annoyance comes in when you acknowledge people for working toward that vision, um, working toward those objectives, uh, acknowledging people, embodying your values, your vision, hitting their objectives is a huge thing. And if you think of just team sports, which is I always find just a wonderfully instructive laboratory for teamwork, 
you know, the high five, it, it can be really meaningful when certain people recognize, hey, you really, you really gave it all there. You really reached outside of yourself. You really made me successful by something you did. That can be a great way to get around the annoyance of it. And still, I mean, and I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know, it's interesting how you frame that question in terms of, well, we want to be clear about it and hammer it. We don't want to be annoying with it. I think it becomes annoying when people feel disconnected from it. And some of the early professional experiences I had, I remember seeing and hearing people around me at the company I was at. I was on the ground floor of the org chart. And the CEO wrote this gorgeous letter about here are our objectives for the quarter. And I remember one of the people I most admired that was a coworker was so bitter about it. He's like, yeah, this is all BS. I don't understand how what we're doing really fits to that. I think where, where it becomes an annoyance or just a frustration is when people don't see how what they're doing contribute to that vision and they don't have a sense that what they're doing to contribute to it is appreciated. And again, that's where the feedback becomes so important in giving people a way to show the same type of thing they might show if they're on a sports field or, or in some other endeavor where it's really clear. Having things that they can do where they're hitting that objective or they're being recognized by a teammate for really embodying a value that's important. And if it's a smaller team, it doesn't have to be anything formal. It could just be as simple as the respect you build um, on a really small team where you're so well aligned. You don't have to talk a lot about vision and mission and values as independent things because you're so dialed into what they actually are. But those things have got to be clear, whether it's you luck into it by them being unspoken, which happens, I think, a lot more rarely than people realize, or else you've got leaders that are continually hammering that message and they're doing it in a way that makes people feel a part of that vision. That's really where you get the power. Hey, we're building this vision together, man. We are uh, making these things happen. We are realizing these dreams we had or whatever it is. And you look at people like um, even, man, I hate to be somebody that talks about this or that leader, but everything I read about Elon Musk that those companies, Tesla and SpaceX, everybody there is going full throttle because they believe in a vision. And you can debate whether or not Musk is great at that vision and expressing it, but he sure gets a lot out of those people. And it's the same thing with Steve Jobs. Everybody likes to hold up the the kind of negative examples of when he went crazy on people, but go back and and read the interviews with the people that he had successes with people rave about how they felt a part of something bigger. They were on this mission. Um, the whole idea of kind of the moonshot or big hairy audacious goal or whatever you want to call it is we cre we're creating this story, this adventure that we can bring everybody into. It gets annoying and feels disingenuous when people don't feel invested in it and they don't feel a part of it. And that I think is really the challenge. If you can keep everybody feeling a part of it, when they hear you, when they hear you as a leader or a teammate 
talking about that vision, then it's something that everybody's proud of versus something you're kind of making sarcastic comments about and, you know, as you, as you talk about how lame the team is. So I think, I think the biggest thing is, is make, get creating that shared experience with a shared vision behind it, the team recognizing each other, everybody feeling invested, everybody feeling appreciated is an overused word, but you want to know that your contributions are appreciated because otherwise just behavioral psychology, you're going to shut down and be the, you know, the, the dog that's been beaten into learned, learned helplessness. So I was going to ask about, you know, what, what's the downfall of a team, but I think you've answered that too in there. Now, what happens if you feel that you've gone, you know, I'm a, I'm showing appreciation. I feel that these, these people should know the alignment. They know their purpose within that alignment or the bigger mission. You feel as a business owner, you've done it all right, but you've got that person who just isn't having it right. Like they're just, it's hard to get them to be a team player. Is that when you just ax it? Is there anything else you do to try to make it, you know, make them work in that situation? Or um, once you feel you've done it all and they just won't won't play nice, is is it done for them? I think the success and happiness of the team will be directly proportional to the speed with which that person is no longer on it. And I saw um, a really great interview with uh, Sam Altman, who runs Y Combinator. He had a really great approach uh, because he realized this is such an important thing. Um, And I wish I'd come across the way he did it earlier because my first attempts with this are just like cut it immediately. And then he does a version of, of what I kind of learned to do, but just much more intentionally. He doesn't just, well, firstly, he frames it as it's his failure, which I think is, you know, a valid way to do it. You know, as a, as a leader, it's my failure putting you in a situation where you couldn't be successful. But we can't keep going. I'm going to help you get another position. And he'll actually help people out of the job. And I think that's a great way to look at it where you can be both very driven and results oriented and yet genuine and compassionate about how you deal with people. But I do think my experience is you can just bury yourself and your team and your venture, even if it's a large company, trying to get someone to change who doesn't want to or who isn't motivated because ultimately someone working on a team, that's a decision they make. And they either make the decision to develop in a way that's going to work with that team, or they're, they're consciously or unconsciously making the decision to disengage from the team, in which case they're either looking for something already, or they're just hanging around because it's the easiest thing to do. And in both of those cases, you're, you're best, I think, to help the process along. Early in my career, I became so enamored with the idea of helping everybody be great that you learn really quickly if somebody else isn't interested in developing, if they're not interested in learning, or they're not interested in helping the vision 
become a reality, you can totally sink a ship um, trying to carry that person along. So I think finding a way to do it quickly is super important. If you're value-based and mission-based, um, like I am and a lot of the people I work with, there are some really cool ways you can do that that are totally genuine. Like, like I say, I love this idea of let me help you find a different position because you're not doing them a favor by having them in this disingenuous relationship. We want, as a team, we can't really be our best if we're not all in a situation that's helping us all be our best. And you're not actually helping that person to keep them on board. I love it. I'm like you. I'm a fixer. I want to fix everybody. So I love the twist of the fix versus let me fix you and make you want to do this or make you with, the, you know, give you a growth mindset, et cetera. It's like, let me just fix the situation and find something that you will thrive in, if you will. Yeah, it was, it was really helpful for me to frame it um, a little differently and, and think, okay, who, who am I serving if I want to fix that person? Is that about them or my ego? And ultimately, my answer was kind of like, you know, this is more about my ego. If I'm going to be genuine here, I need to let them have their journey because their journey is not my journey. We just need to recognize that we're on two different journeys versus, uh, you know, I don't think I was ego driven from the standpoint of I must fix you to prove myself, but Early on, I mean, it's a really intoxicating idea to think, I want to be this great leader. I want to motivate people and be the guy that can really lift people up and all those things. It just we can all only do so much. And, um, you know, we also have to develop ourselves to be the leader we want to be. So, yeah, it's definitely I think of it in terms of just energy. Um, and, and I don't mean energy in a woo woo sense. Uh, a lot of a friend of mine would call it. Oh, you're talking woo-woo again. I mean, from a physics standpoint, like electrical current or any other type of energy, these people are friction points. And if you're, if they're a resistor, if they're creating friction, that's going to lower the energy of the whole team. And I've just been through so many situations where I must have needed to learn that lesson very deeply because they can sink you. And I've watched other teams, even just sports teams that, that my sons have played on, where you have different individuals that can totally sink the ship. And by the same token, if you make the space, you might find the person that can totally help everybody raise to a higher level. Uh, I love it. I think it's crucial. I know I've, I learned the hard way too in my first business that as much as I want to give somebody another chance, as much as I want to help them, that when there is that toxicity, it's just better to cut the ties and, and move on because like you said, it's going to sink a ship. Um, I want to ask one more question because I, I, I love, I, I've had an, a chance to get in the back of result maps and see what you've done. And it's just so much more. It's about, it helps build cohesive teams. It's so much more than just a task list. Like, you Thanks know, these that. other things are, it really is a bigger picture. So, um, this is off the cusp a little bit, but can you just give, 
that alignment with how you develop results map and, ma and managing your teams because it's so much more than a you need to do this task and this task. It really is tied to a greater picture and really having them on board of the objective. Can you just talk a little bit about the thought process that went behind building that and, you know, why it was so important to make sure the team saw more than just here's what you need to do today? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so my my interests are a little broad. I, I studied martial arts with a really wonderful teacher for many years, very deeply. Um, worked and studied as a jazz musician for several years, very, again, very deeply. And then I've got this love of both sports and technology. Um, and what I find is the mental models, there's like a lattice work of mental models those interests have offered me. And one of the ones that comes up a lot is an early lesson in martial arts from uh, sparring both as, as a first time white belt and then later as a higher belt who a lot of times at the school I came up in, we get people used to sparring by putting them in with a black belt, not because the black belt's going to kick their butt, because the black belt can be very intentional and controlled. And it also, you can just do a lot of instruction. So what would happen is people, especially young adult males, come in just throwing all kinds of different techniques. And they are, because they're, they're like nervous, it's a black belt, they have all this testosterone. So they're coming at you and they're striking all over the place. Whereas a black belt, you know, you do not have to block every strike. You've learned that. Uh, a lot of times the hard way, all you have to do is stick your foot out. You can even do a slow motion sidekick and these guys would just run right onto your heel and then the wind gets knocked out of them and they step back. And like, that's kind of lesson number one in sparring, like manage your energy, be intentional about how you use your energy. Well, it may seem like a tangent, but I think about those experiences a lot because a lot of the roles I've been in have been about decision-making on products and products are neat because we can think of all these ideas, but those ideas can become intoxicating because they're like all these little puzzles. They can become intoxicating and lead you down a path that doesn't really get you the outcome you want. So the, the Taekwondo analogy there, which is my, the style I came up in, um, is very much about being very focused on what you actually need to get done, not all the distractions. You want to really focus in on the things that are going to get you the results you want, not become sucked into different energy drains, which if you're sparring somebody more mature, they may throw you a series of fakes just to get you to make certain movements that open you up. So managing that energy, keeping that energy focus is a really important thing to me. If my job is to get outcomes and my job is to be as efficient as I can, that necessarily says that managing a bunch of tasks and managing a bunch of emails is not the end game. And all of the products that are around out there, not all of them, but just so many products become so focused on trying to addict you 
to getting your information and managing your information here, you can get lost trying to become an expert in this product or that methodology. Um, you know, another way to think of it is like a football team that only has one play it ever runs or a basketball team that only runs one play. They're so focused on that one part of the process, they never step back and go, what are we really trying to do? And you get lost in the tools. You get lost in the processes. The idea with result maps is let's make it very clear what our goals are, and then let's help people actually be more productive because being the next uh, Trello or being the next Microsoft project, that's not what is going to make you productive. And even having result maps, that's not the one magical thing. The thing that's going to make you successful is keeping a clear vision in mind, aligning well as a team, working efficiently, managing your time well. Um, so what we really didn't want to do with result maps was just be another thing that dilutes your focus in the day. So we'll let you capture all your tasks. We'll let you do your day planning. We will make it really easy to connect with the people on your team. But what we really want to do is help you be more efficient by taking the friction points out of the day. If you want to, if, or I'll say it this way, if there's value in building out a very detailed Gantt chart because you're thinking through things and figuring out your resources and responsibilities and timelines, that's great and we support that and we have that. Sometimes we also need to go, hey, here's a quick write-up on what I need to get done. I'm going to link this Google Doc and I'm going to assign it to Aaron. I need to be able to collaborate on that. What's really important is I need to see how all that stuff fits back up into specific objectives and key results. And those are the things I'm going to do to measure my progress in each focus area. And those focus areas really represent my strategy for realizing my mission and my vision. So that having those things be able to roll back up and make that very easy is really one of the core features. And by the same token, you start from the top down. Let's define what that vision is, what that mission is, because if we can do that and get clear on our focus areas and our objectives, we may not have to enter 75 units of work. We may be able to say, hey, we need to get this thing done. Let's go work on it versus kind of fighting with the technology all the time. So our focus has really been on, you know, what's important, keeping that big picture in mind. And then let's look at all the places where there's friction that happens. I have to transcribe my meeting notes here. Now I have to go enter them in my task system. Now I need to go email people. We tried to identify those friction points and really solve for them. So you can paste your meeting notes in. You can go to our Google Docs app script and, and get that from the Chrome store and install that in Google Docs, and it'll pull your meeting notes right into Result Maps. Result Maps can then... Find out from everybody on a daily basis, hey, what got done, what's next, what's blocked, all the things that take up meeting time, because ultimately what we want to do is free people to be their best. And the only way you're going to be your best, um, and this is kind of a long explanation, but it all fits together, our brains get peak performance time starting about two hours after we wake up, and it lasts for about three hours. And everything after that peak performance time, while we can power through it and we can still do amazing things, 
our brain, our prefrontal cortex is just no longer at its peak. Um, there's things about how it burns through energy that we can't really game that much like we would say a muscle or other forms of endurance. So what we, what we want to do with result maps is let your first touch points of the day remind you what your vision is, remind you what you need to make sure you get done, and then get out of your email, get out of your task list, go do your higher order thinking, go focus on prioritization, go focus on the most challenging problem you need to solve because that's how you're going to get results. Oh, and by the way, once you get that done, yeah, check it off the list in result maps or celebrate the win or give your teammate a high five because ultimately these are the interactions that make us successful, not having inbox zero. No offense to those guys uh, that, that are big into inbox zero. Great thing. Um, but nobody's sending you a check for getting to inbox zero. Nobody's sending you a check for having a perfect project plan, right? Um, unless your job is to build project plans. <laughs> right. So the idea behind result maps, you know, to, to condense all that into a much shorter thing is we want to make it crystal clear what the vision, mission, values, focus areas and objectives are, and then make it easy to take what you're already doing and all the tools you already use and pull that information in, whether it's coming from docs or whether it's coming from email or all these other systems and be able to just bring that together. So, so when you see the work equivalent of that white belt coming at you with all these uh, strikes that you don't have to block because they'll never hit you, you can go, yeah, I don't have to react to that. Um, so many of the teams I've consulted to over the years spend hours writing and responding to emails that aren't even about important things. They're writing like they're trying to create uh, these these dialogues for the ages in their email around things that aren't even that important because it's so addicting and, and so easy to fall into that. It's a comfortable place to be. Um, Result Maps is all about helping people stretch and inspiring us to do more and helping us get around some of the technology friction and team friction that is just, it's low hanging fruit, but most of the products out there aren't even asking these questions. They're just thinking, okay, well, can I make it easier for you to get information in a form or can I visualize your tasks a different way? I love the visualization stuff. That can be very powerful. But again, all of these things are only valuable if they help you be your best, get the results you want, be a great team. I love it. I think it's so important. And where can someone go if they wanted to check that out and, and see what it's all about? www.resultmaps.com. So that's singular result, plural maps, resultmaps.com. And we're available in the Slack app store. We're available in Google Chrome's. Uh, we've got an extension for Gmail. We've got a uh, Google Docs add-on. And then you can always go through the website and use our web app. Awesome. And of course, all that will be on the notes page too at the Entrepreneur Summit, Dallas.com. Scott, thanks so much. I'm looking forward to the 30th where I know you're going to go more in depth on building the right team. So I just, again, I think it's so crucial because you can't grow your business without scaling correctly and you can't scale correctly without the right team. So thank you for being a part of it. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun.